Bible Biogs in 30 minutes. Through the Bible, one character at a time. Author, pastor and Bible teacher Mike Beaumont is in conversation with David Taverner. In this episode, our focus is Barnabas. Now, I don't think Barnabas was his original name. Uh, not at all. His original name was Joseph. And Barnabas actually was, I think, what we would call a nickname um, these days. Uh, Barnabas means son of encouragement, literally. Mr. Encourager, uh, we might say. And it, it comes about through the sense of generosity and community that existed in the early church. And perhaps we can just pick up one short passage at the end of Acts chapter 4, where we first meet Mr. Encourager. We read this in Acts 4.32, that all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was, here he comes, (laughs) Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi And he came from the island of Cyprus, but he sold a field that he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. So Barnabas, Joseph, is given there as an example of the incredible generosity and mutual support that there was in the early church. This is not early communism. Communism imposes sharing. This arises out of Jesus having done something in the heart of these new believers And suddenly they realize, David, you've got a need there. Listen, I've got a spare one. Have mine. Mm -hmm. And this immense generosity and overflow of Christian life and life in the spirit to be demonstrated in really practical ways. And it's there that Joseph, Barnabas, as we'll call him through this episode, uh, sort of stands out as a shining light that even among all that generosity, uh, Barnabas stood out and was incredibly Generous. So, for example, he's he's got a spare field. You know, I mean, like you do, we all have got a spare field, don't we? But he has this spare field, and I think this is ridiculous. I've got a field that's just not being used. I could sell this, and he sells it and brings the money to the apostles, and says, "There you are. Use it for the good of the community." So that's the spirit of this guy that we're looking at in this episode. And when it said no needy people among them, I mean, lessons to learn for today. Well, that's very challenging, isn't it, for us in the West today, where probably most of us in our churches are still cultured uh, by our Western culture and where we still tend to think what is mine is mine uh, and where, you know, we might engage in the little bit, little act of generosity here and there. But this is a, a profoundly deep spirit here that has impacted these people. And as I want to underline again, this is not communism. This is not imposed. This is not the apostles saying, this is something you must do. Jesus has done something in their hearts that now leaves these Christians thinking, 
this is crazy. If I have and you don't have, I need to be sharing with you. And of course, that theme will run through the whole of the New Testament. And it's interesting that when Paul, as an early apostle, meets with the other apostles and they talk together about the gospel they're sharing, this comes out in his letter to the Galatians, he says that the apostles said all that they asked was that we remembered the poor, which thing I was very pleased to do. So this care for the poor, this ensuring that no one was left in need was was a profound theme that ran through the early church and that ran through the life of Barnabas. And interesting that it says there that the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas, um, son of encouragement, but they didn't nickname him Mr. Generosity. So it was encouragement that stood out. Yeah, absolutely. And as we go through this story, we will see that comes out again and again. You know, Barnabas saw things in people, whether it was he saw their need or whether it was he saw their potential, which will come out in a few moments. Um, but he, w- he was definitely someone who saw things in people and was determined to get it out of them. And, you know, I've worked with many people over the years and some of them have just stood out as people who they, they see potential in someone. They see a little seed there. And they give everything they can to get that out. And when you see that blossoming, you think, this is great. So, yeah, good point. He's not Mr. Generosity in itself. The generosity is an expression of the encouragement that that this guy carries in whatever he does. So what part did he play then in the life of the early church? Well, do you know what? He keeps cropping up in these middle chapters of Acts, but in a sense, in small parts, but also really, really significant parts. So the next time we come across Barnabas is in Acts chapter 9, when he introduces Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul, Mm -hmm. as he becomes, um, to the rest of the apostles. Because obviously this guy's been the guy who's been persecuting the church and people are a little bit, whoa, hang on, you know, this seems a very convenient conversion, uh, doesn't it? Mm. So let me just read these couple of verses from Acts chapter 9 for you. It says, when Saul, that is St. Paul, arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, this, this guy could be like trying to worm his way in and find out who the Christians were. Yeah. They didn't believe that he'd truly become a believer. But then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he also told them that Saul preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And so here's this guy. He sees something Mm. again in Paul and sees that something real has happened. And while everyone else is thinking, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. Now, Barnabas Barnabas has seen something. He's seen the reality of Saul's stroke, Paul's conversion, and he's the one who brings him to the apostle. He's the one who speaks up on Saul's behalf, and he's the means of Saul actually being accepted. It goes on to say, Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Now, that wouldn't have happened had it not been for for Mr. Encourager. And it makes you wonder what it was in his mindset that convinced him that Paul was 
genuine? Well, he was clearly uh, very much a man of the spirit. And that's one of the things that that stands out um, in the text. And, you know, I think he I think he definitely had a spiritual gift of encouragement. But what he didn't have was the gift of suspicion, uh, which is what many of us have to our loss at times. And uh, you know, particularly those of us who live in Britain, we, we can be a very suspicious lot, a very unbelieving lot. And Barnabas just seemed to have that capacity to see the best in people and give them a chance, give them a second chance. And we'll come to a story later on where he gives someone a second chance when someone else wouldn't. So he, I think a spiritual gift, but I, I think also a, an innate willingness to give people a chance. Is cynicism the enemy of encouragement? Oh, absolutely. And again, in the West in particular, maybe for listeners in Britain in particular, you know, cynicism has become such the norm in our culture that I think it flows over at times into our Christian lives, even into the church, and and we don't notice it. But cynicism is the atmosphere we breathe. And so it's easy for it to get into our lungs and therefore to get out of our mouths. And I, I think we need to be really careful. Yes, the scripture tells us to test all things. We're not to be gullible and stupid. But we can easily move from that to a sort of cynicism that always sees the worst, always looks for hidden motives. And Barnabas, Mr. Encourager, always looked for the best. And I think, you know, there's a lesson there. Why not start by looking for the best? If eventually you have to come to the conclusion, this is not a good person, fine. But why start there? Why not start like Barnabas did with always looking for the best? And if that man hadn't done this, do you know what? The whole history of the church might have been different. And we certainly probably wouldn't have had the Apostle Paul and might not have had those missionary journeys Um all were things that this guy facilitated by his belief in people and his willingness to to give them a go. It sounds like it was more, though, than just being a glass-half-full person. Yes, he's not just vaguely optimistic. I think he has a profound, spirit-given confidence that God can work through ordinary people. You see, I think at the end of his day... His confidence wasn't in people. His confidence was in God. He had a big God. Mm -hmm. And no matter what people had been and no matter what mistakes they had made, Barnabas saw that his big God was bigger than all of them and could actually change people and change situations. Let's look at another example of how that was demonstrated. Well, we find him moving from Jerusalem, where he's obviously been living and, and been based, moving north to Antioch, to that city that would become the major base for Christian mission in New Testament times. Now, the church at Antioch had had been planted out of the persecution that arose after Stephen's martyrdom that we looked at in a previous episode. Mm. And let me read you a few verses here from Acts 11. It says, meanwhile, The believers who'd been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, 
some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene, so remember Barnabas came from Cyprus too, Mm. began preaching to the Gentiles. Whoa, big breakthrough here about the Lord Jesus. And the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of those Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. So here is the first major breakthrough in the Gentile world, whereby because these guys went out and risked it and pushed boundaries, because so far the gospel's primarily just gone to the Jewish world. Yes, there was the odd example like uh, Cornelius and his household, but here's the first major breakthrough. So clearly news of this gets back to the apostles in in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So let's read on. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, guess what? They want to know what's going on here. Who do they send? They sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now that tells us something, doesn't it? That tells us that they had huge trust in this guy and his judgment. Mm. So, you know, he, he may have been the profound Mr. Encourager, always looking for the best, but they also trusted his judgment. And when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. For Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. So he goes and looks and investigates, and he says, this is God, this is Jesus, this is the real McCoy. Um, And he is so excited. And one of the things that stands out to me there is how blessed he is, how encouraged he is that there's such blessing in someone else's field, as it were. You know, I think when we hear of the church down the road mm-hmm. experiencing real blessing and real growth and maybe we've been slogging away for years and not seen a lot of advance, and um, you know, do we find it easy to think, yeah, the church down the road is growing, praise God, or we see a church that's suddenly grown to 100, 200, 500, 2,000 and again, it's very easy to think, yeah, well, you know, the only reason they're growing is because they have smoke machines, isn't it? Or whatever other thing it might be. But Barnabas wasn't a guy like that. He, he was just so excited that the Lord was blessing other people. No sense of cynicism, reluctance, no sense of trying to explain it away. Well, they're probably cheapening the gospel. That's That's why Antioch is growing. And I think that's a profound challenge for us today. So again, Mr. Encourager. And did you know how Luke slips in there in his account that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So this is not just natural character. This is him responding to the Holy Spirit with the gifts that God has put to him. Yes, and he's not just being positive for the sake of it. Absolutely not. This this is a God-given drive that that's there within him. And then having now shifted from Jerusalem to Antioch and just really encouraging all the people there, which is what we read he did, he encouraged them to stay true to the Lord. He then does something that actually, it it looks like a small thing, but will be a major turning point in the story of the development of the church. Acts 11, 25, we read that then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul, Saul who would 
become Paul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them stayed there with the church for a full year teaching large crowds of people. And it was Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Now, what's going on here? Clearly, Barnabas knew of the encounter that Saul had had on the road to Damascus that we've looked at in another episode. He's been aware of him as he's come to Jerusalem and met with the apostles, as we saw earlier. But now he sees that something is going on in Antioch that needs Saul. And what was it that they needed? Well, one of the things that comes out later is, you know, what a great, not just evangelist Paul was, but what a great teacher he was, how he was able to root people in God's word. And maybe he saw that what what the church needed was now, they got all these converts, but they really need rooting well in God's word. And he just happened to know a man who knew his Old Testament well, who was well-rooted, who understood how Jesus fitted into the big picture and the big plan uh, that God was revealing through scripture. And, you know, how did he think of that? Did, did the Holy Spirit speak directly to him? Was he mulling it over one day? We're simply not told. Mm. But here's this guy again, Barnabas, seeing potential in people, seeing the best in people. And while some were still a little bit unsure about Saul of Tarsus, he goes and gets him and says, Saul, I need you. There's some work for you in Antioch. And the two of them go back and it says they spend a full year there teaching large crowds of people. And did you notice as well, it says it was in Antioch the believers were first called Christians. Right. Uh, and that word Christian really, again, was used as a nickname. It, it was a derogatory term at first. Um. It really meant little Christ. Oh, you little Jesus, you. Um, and it was the name that was given to them in a sort of derogatory, mocking way, but which eventually they gladly adopt, thinking, you bet, you bet I'm a follower of Jesus. You bet I want to be a little Jesus. Mm. That's exactly who I want to be. <laughs> and eventually, of course, it will become the most common name mm. for a follower of Jesus, uh, whereas up to this point it had been things like believer, follower of the way. Mm. Uh, and from now on, Christian seems to become the normal word for a follower of Jesus. And it was here at Antioch at the time when Barnabas found Saul and brought him there, that that becomes the normal word. So it sounds like if they were working together for a year, they, they got to know each other very well and developed a kind of working partnership. Yeah, absolutely. They, they must have worked together um, so well and got to know one another so well uh, over that time. Uh, in fact, towards the end of, of chapter 11, here, here's a measure of how the church sees their partnership and and how they trust them. Um, because we find towards the end of Acts 11 a, a reference to a famine uh, that came upon the land, particularly around uh, Judea and Jerusalem. And it says, so the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea. Here's that incredible generosity of spirit, again, that characterized the new Christians. So they 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 have an offering. Mm. Uh, and they send it. Couldn't do a bank transfer, of course, in those days. The only way to do it was to put it in someone's hands. Guess whose hands they put it in? 
that they put it in the hands, it says, they did this entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul Hmm. to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So I think now there's a clear reflection that these guys are a team. These guys work together so well, and they entrust what would have been a not inconsiderable amount of money uh, to this fantastic team of Barnabas and Saul. Did you know the order of the names there, by the way? Barnabas and Saul. That way round. Clearly at this stage, Barnabas is the senior figure. He's the senior leader. He's been around a while. And when, as we'll come to in a moment, Barnabas and Saul return to Antioch and go out on their first missionary journey, um, the names there again will be listed as Barnabas and Saul. And it will be only later on that suddenly the text starts to change and it will become Saul or Paul and Barnabas. And clearly at that point that there's been a shift in, they're still clearly a team, but there's there's been a shift in the sort of leading figure. But at this point, Barnabas is, is most definitely the leading figure of the two. But for that shift to happen must mean that Barnabas steps back out of the limelight slightly, which for anyone, is not easy to do. Incredible, isn't it, really? Um, I mean, I think anyone who's ever held a leading role, whether it's in the church or in the workplace or whatever it might be, to not only just step back, but to step back because you see God has done something in the person actually that you've been helping train and mentor the person that you've been raising up, uh, making space for. And suddenly as you look, you see that actually this person really is that bit more gifted in some ways than you. Not, Not that they're better than you, but they've got leadership gifts, gifts for pushing out into new territory in particular. And of course, from this point on, The whole of Acts is about pushing into new territory. And maybe Barnabas just recognized, look, I've got many gifts, but I also know what my gifts aren't. And my gifts are encouragement and teaching and seeing the best in people. But it is not being apostolic in the sense of breaking new ground, breaking new territory. And that's what we need. And as he sees that, he starts to step back. There's no big fuss about it. We're not even told there was a handover of power, as it were, or anything like that. The text just simply starts changing uh, from, it's during that first missionary journey in Acts 13. In verse 13, suddenly it becomes Paul and his companions instead of Barnabas and Paul. So what, what on earth that tells us about this heart of this guy, that he is not after position for himself. What he wants is the advance of God's kingdom, and anything that will release that, he's up for it. I remember, always remember many years ago um, when I was at seminary and a speaker coming to chapel one day and speaking about Barnabas, and he he quoted this little well-known phrase at that time, it takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. (laughs) And I've always remembered that. And I thought, yeah, um, that was exactly what this guy did, an enormous grace from God 
to know what he was and what his gifts were, but also what he wasn't and what his gifts weren't. And to see the kingdom of God as the most important thing rather than clutching onto power. And if he hadn't have recognised that, if he'd sort of clung on to that leadership role, if you like, how different would things have been? Well, of course, the short answer is we don't know. But I think we would not have seen the breakthrough, missionally speaking, that we see in the book of Acts. Now, God's God and he can always do things another way. We all know that. But I don't want to take away um, from this guy uh, because I think had he not done that, we, we might not have seen the second missionary journey, the third missionary journey, what, what follows. And it's during this first missionary journey that, that that transition takes place. And do you know what? Maybe it came just out of them being on the job, as it were. Because hmm. uh, in Acts 13, we find that they'd been sent out by the elders at Antioch. The, it says that there were prophets and, and teachers at, at Antioch who seemed to be like fulfilling the role of the eldership team there at Antioch. And while they're praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit uh, says to them, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've got for them. Interesting, even the Holy Spirit there is saying Barnabas and Saul. Mm. Uh, and so without question, the church there just send them out, send them on their way. They see considerable success. Interesting, the first place they went to, by the way, was Cyprus, <laughs> which, of course, Back was home. where Barnabas came from. Yeah. And it's probably because he was saying, you know what, Paul, I think we could go to Cyprus. I know lots of people there, lots of places there, and then they crossed over the Mediterranean, went north into what we would call Turkey. And it's while they're there that we suddenly get this transition. And maybe it was out of Barnabas having seen the the gifting in Paul that he somehow was able to break new ground in a way that he couldn't, Hmm. that he was ready to let that transition happen. And so how did that partnership change as time went on? Well, uh, it had a downside, sadly. That first missionary journey was uh, immensely successful. Um, So successful that they decide that what they need to do is is to go and and have a second missionary journey. The, The plan is to go and revisit some of the places that they'd visited before, but also to to push beyond. Um, But there's a sad turn in the story. So I just want to read to you a few verses from the end of Acts chapter 15, Mm -hmm. where it says that they've now come back to Antioch after that first missionary journey, back to home base. And from Acts 15, 36, we read that after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. So Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, who was his nephew. Okay. But Paul disagreed strongly, since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Now, we find about that in the first missionary journey, where it says that John Mark left them. Um, We don't know why, it's not told, but clearly Paul was not happy. Paul clearly felt he jumped ship. Mm, done a runner. He'd done a runner, exactly. 
And it says this, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Now, disagreement's a bit of a gentle word there because the Greek word that Luke uses is paroxysmos, from which we get our English word paroxysm, an outburst Mm. of rage. Mm. So this was not just a little disagreement. They had to blow up, yeah. we might say. So th- this is not a good point, but this is why I love the Bible. It's really honest. Yeah, warts and all. Warts and all. So they had this outburst of disagreement, and it was so sharp that they separated. But listen what happened. Barnabas took, guess who? John Mark. And they went back where? To Cyprus, <laughs> the place where he knew. But Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's care. So Paul goes off on his second missionary journey. Here's our wonderful sovereign God, even bringing good out of what is not good at all, um, because now we get two missionary journeys. Now we get Barnabas giving opportunity to Mark. Yeah, sure, he'd done a bunk, but come on, Paul. He was young under the pressure, let's give the guy a chance. Paul, no, we cannot have people we cannot rely on. And so they'd gone their separate ways. And actually, that's the last that we hear about Barnabas in the book of Acts. There's two or three references to him in Paul's letters. But, you know, one of the great things is it seems that Barnabas was right about Mark, because what we actually find is that in one of Paul's later letters, he actually makes reference to Mark. It's it's at the end of 2 Timothy 4, and that's one of the last letters Paul ever wrote shortly before his death. And in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me. <laughs> in my ministry. In other words, something had happened and Paul eventually sees that actually Barnabas was right to give Mark a second opportunity. And now Paul's saying, yeah, he is useful, bring him. And of course, had Barnabas not given John Mark an opportunity, then you and I today wouldn't have what we now call Mark's gospel because that John Mark was the Mark who wrote Mark's gospel, all because this guy, Barnabas, was willing to give him another chance. And yet again, he'd seen in someone the best. Absolutely. And I think that's perhaps the lesson that we can take from the life of Barnabas. You know, always try to see the best. Sure, he could see dirt in people, but he didn't go in looking for the dirt. He went in looking for the gold and how our lives and how our churches might be changed if we resolve to start looking for the gold in one another, for the gold in those who aren't yet Christians and saw the opportunity and gave people a chance and a second chance and a third chance because we're determined to do all we can to let Jesus find the gold in them. David Tavener was in conversation with Mike Beaumont, who's written about the people of the Bible throughout the Christian Basics Bible. 
catch their conversations anytime on the UCB player or with your favorite podcast provider. Just search for Bible Biogs in 30 minutes.